Well, you think back to John Gruden. What they give up for John Gruden? They give up two first round picks for John Gruden. Did I think it up. I think that's what it was. I think. That, I mean, that's a lot. Uh, I think anything over a first round pick is it would be hard to swallow. But if you're getting your coach that you believe is going to take you to the Super Bowl, that can get the most out of your quarterback. You've already invested in your quarterback. Yes. Um, you know, so what you do with this coach has to be predicated on what you believe is best for your quarterback in your offense. Would you give up number three overall? Yeah, it would hurt, but I think, I think you I think you probably would. Jay Feely of CBS Sports joined us yesterday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings as we hit the 7 o'clock hour of the Wednesday edition Let's of the go. show with Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Jared Carlin, Sarah Cazell with you until 10 o'clock. That's maybe a question that is going to come into play because you know the New Orleans Saints. Well, you mentioned something earlier. Let's start here. Sean Payton... This is not his first rodeo. No. Uh, Now it's his first time being in this situation. He is under no obligation to coach anywhere next year. He's under contract. He's making money as a broadcaster. He could hold out for another job in next year's coaching cycle. Uh, As Jarrett pointed out earlier, there might be a couple of playoff teams that if they falter could pull the trigger on a coaching uh, coaching change. Dallas and the L.A. Chargers among them. Um, But... They're going to the Saints are going to ask for a king's ransom, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because the Cardinals are making the decision with a new GM, new head coach, and look, this is a roster that is in need of a big time rebuild. You can accelerate your rebuild with a player that you would uh, of the ilk that you're going to get at number three. And I said it earlier in the week, and I still feel like I believe this, Bick. I I would be much more interested in the Cardinals trading the number three pick to move down and get more additional top draft picks just to to populate the roster with players, more so than trading the number three overall pick, getting nothing in terms of draft capital, but getting your head coach, as much as I want Sean Payton to come here. Uh, Listen, and I wrote about this a week and a half ago, and it basically is this. If If you were looking to rebuild a football team on the fly, you've got a couple of opportunities here. You've got the number three pick in the draft that if everything breaks your way, you can trade down, uh, pedal that off to a team desperate for one of these two quarterbacks that are out there. Maybe a third team if this Anthony Richardson elevation takes place at the NFL Combine, which I'm betting it will. But it, I think the Cardinals will be in a position to trade out of that number three and get a lot of draft uh, draft capital assets moving forward in return. And then I also wrote that you've got the DeAndre Hopkins situation where you can surely trade him off for at least a number one. I, I saw people People yesterday talking about, um, well, maybe maybe we'll be lucky to get a number one for D-Hop. And you think about this team gave a number one for Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, right. So this is what we're talking about. When you look at the trouble that we're in as a football team, this is why. So are we assuming that if Sean Payton is hired, he will be the coach and GM? No, I, I no, we're not assuming that, but we're we're going to get to that in a second here. But I just I want to finish this point by saying this: when you take a look at at what you can get back for those couple of assets, the number three pick in the draft, and DeAndre Hopkins, and then you get the idea of Kyler Murray. When is he going to show up in twenty twenty three? Is it going to be October? Is it going to be mid October? What is it going to be? It all adds up to a twenty twenty three that looks like a complete wash. That looks like a rebuild year. No expectations if you. Can Catch lightning in a bottle like they did in Jacksonville, like they did with the Giants. Thumbs up. But there's no expectations. 
Is that going to appeal to Sean Payton? So when Sean Payton takes a look at everything he has, as Jarrett just pointed out, the one good thing that the Cardinals have going for them right now is they don't have to rearrange any lawn furniture. The decks have been cleared. There's no head coach in place. There's no GM in place. Mm-hmm. It's a blank slate. So if if... If Sean Payton's into this, Michael Bidwell can sit down with him and say, Sean, remember that time we were hanging out in St. Louis? We were both ball boys and we were talking about <laughs> lightning bugs and grasshoppers and, you know. <laughs> we said, wouldn't it be fun if 30 years from now right. we both were on and the Sean says, Arizona? Okay, let's do that. And he's, okay, let's sit down and talk about this. Who do you want as your general manager? Okay, look, I love Mickey Loomis. I'm not going to get him, but I got a guy. So we'll get that guy. And then in the meantime, here's what I think you should do about what we, what we should trade the Saints to get me. Maybe you can make it all work, but he, Sean Payton would would really want to have this job and really want Kyler Murray if you knew DeAndre Hopkins was going out the door. And you knew that, okay, we're kind of in this regeneration mode, but who knows? Who knows yeah. what he's thinking? That, that, I'm ahead. sorry, just real quick, just because the reason I asked about the GM thing is because of that added piece that you have to trade something for Sean Payton. And somebody will have to orchestrate that trade. And you can't wait till draft day to do that. No, that, uh, that's kind of where I was going, too. So, uh, all right, if you're against trading the number three overall pick to the Saints in a compensation package for Sean Payton services, can you strike earlier and do the other option? If you're going to trade down... Maybe pick up an extra first round pick to to grease the skids a little bit. Send that pick. Yep. To to the Saints mm-hmm. as part of co- compensation. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a it's a slippery slope because of the the needs that the Cardinals have at so many different positions. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And and I think that uh, that a lot of the times here, what what you've what you've had now is the failure, the the dramatic drafting failures that have gone on. And and again, if not for the Trey McBride comeback the last few weeks of the season, I think we feel really, really, really bad about what we've seen here recently, draft-wise. Yes. I think Trey McBride's finish changes it a little bit in a good way. And I maybe, agree. And maybe Zach Allen and maybe Cam Thomas. And, and, and but, but I think the the just the real ragged nature of Steve Kimes' drafts, in addition to the fact that he was he spent a lot of elite premium capital on non-premium positions, inside linebackers, tight ends, it's... Yeah. There's a yeah. There's a there's a there's a big cleanup in aisle seven ahead of this football team. Can you trade a player for the coach? You, I believe you can. I, I believe it, it could be anything that would be uh, included in a in a normal trade. Would you trade DeAndre Hopkins for Sean Payton? Uh-huh. <laughs> th- yeah, okay. Jerry, you just ruined my blast, but thanks. Just oh, go back no, to bed, Jerry. I'm sorry. Just I stop didn't, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't ruin proud. anything. You're, different you're, real, you're real proud of yourself for thinking that. I know Jared, you. Hey, ho, you. it's hey, that fruit time. Yeah, go, go, go get a hand Shove your mouth in the pear. Shut up, I'm Jared. Gonna, I'm going to go do that. Good Lord. <laughs> So the the bigger question, yeah, <laughs> bigger question with, when it comes to Sean Payton here is, will there be better looking opportunities? The Dallas job, obviously, the Cowboys are you know one of the foundational teams in the NFL, but it's also working for Jerry Jones. 
Is that something Sean Payton wants? Well, Will he ever get the real power that he wants? No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if, if, if personnel power is something that he wants, you, you're going to wrestle that away from the owner of the team who thinks he's a good general manager? Yeah, right. And then you've got the Chargers, and I agree with you. I think the Chargers' job, I think he would love that. I mean, why wouldn't you? Right? You'll watch the Chargers will win by four touchdowns. Because <laughs> you never know what you're going to get from that team. Right. I, I just thought of a way, since uh-huh. uh, Jarrett uh, kind of uh, my spoiled your blast, yeah. uh-huh. you can spoil Sorry. the sports kebab. For the rest oh, of the show, just like start it. coming up with schlocky jokes, schlocky jokes yeah. and uh, give them away. And, and Jerry Jones sober <laughs> hangover jokes. There we go. Hey, can you trade a player for right. a coach, guys? Alexon Balakian, remember him? Alexon Balakian, yeah. yeah. When he used to fill in during sports kebabs, he used to try to guess the punchlines as I was saying them in the middle of the joke. This used to drive me crazy. Did he really? Sorry, I don't know why that came out now. Wow. Years later. Dirty wow. laundry. I, yeah. Wow. This is like I remember a- at, one, at one point you actually said, Alexon, shut up and let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Any more ways you want to mispronounce the man's first name, Garrett? <laughs> <laughs> you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. Not on that, but on the actual mm-hmm. important stuff we were talking about. Uh, it's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, more on those... Uh, no, I'm not calling Jared a moron. More on those... DeAndre Hopkins trade rumors that seem to be bubbling up at this time of the offseason. Oh, it's an important offseason for the Cardinals. We'll get into it next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wednesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Octane Community Studios, taking you up until 10 o'clock today. And, uh, yeah, we're into, what, day three of the offseason already for the Arizona Cardinals with a coaching opening, a GM opening, all kinds of rumors on uh, roster construction, including one that uh, it's not new. It's been out there. People have been talking about it. I know you talked about it with Tim Ring when I was on vacation. But this thought of... You know, looking at the future of the Cardinals, this potential rebuild, mm-hmm. uh, when you look at some of the numbers, cap hits, salary due uh, for a player like DeAndre Hopkins, who, you know, has had some social media activity as well, mm-hmm. you know, liking some, some, some tweets that suggest that he might be on a new team. You know, the Cardinals, is that one of the questions that they have to answer this offseason is what do you do with DeAndre Hopkins? And I know there's a lot of, I'll, I'll preface everything I say by saying this. DeAndre Hopkins, I still believe, is one of the best wide receivers in football. Um, he was very productive when he was available to play. And between injury and suspension, he wasn't available that much. No. He played in nine ball games. Mm-hmm. Of those nine games that he played, I think the Cardinals won two of those games that mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins w- was able to play in. Um, I, you know, I certainly think, and I've had this feeling for a while that DeAndre Hopkins is going to make it known that he wants a trade. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yes, and I think you're right about that. And I'll I'll tell you this: uh, I was hearing that this was going to happen prior to the last two games that he tapped out. So the last two games that he missed with a quote unquote knee injury did not surprise me or other people one bit. And and I'm not sure how to look at this because I, I I'll say this: the Cardinals, you know, in their pursuit of DeAndre Hopkins, they did him a 
solid. They reworked his contract. Mm-hmm. They gave him a brand new deal. Um, they indulged his play to get out of Houston. And so now it's coming back to bite them again because D-Hop is being D-Hop and he's doing what he does. And, and in a cutthroat business, I suppose that's perfectly fine. But at the same time, you know, if, if this is a, this is a tough, this would be a tough loss to absorb because we all, we've all seen what an elite playmaker DeAndre Hopkins can be. And the last thing I want to do is be stuck with Hollywood Brown as my number one wide receiver because I do not think he is capable of doing it. So a part of me is really like, you know, this is not right, man. It, it's the Cardinals went out of their way to accommodate you. Things have got a little rough. You are part of the issue here with your six game suspension. It, really, you can't fight. You can't grind through this with us. But again, I, I, you're also talking about a guy that's very, very um, concerned about his Hall of Fame status. He made mm-hmm. that clear during hard knocks. And I think that he's he looks at the short term future here as not being very fortuitous uh, for a wide receiver. And then there's the interpersonal with he and Kyler Murray and what that all means. And, and then, you know, I get down to this, too. And, and again, I don't want people to miss to mishear me on this because I do I do recognize the greatness of DeAndre Hopkins. But I'm not sure I'm not sure this is the way and the culture and the vibe I want my next Cardinals team to be. I, I think I want practice to matter. And I think I want physicality and guys who are playing with all passion, not just guys with incredible um, ball skills, but but football players. And uh, and I'm not saying DeAndre Hopkins is not, but he's not won a lot of playoff games in his life. No, um, and you know he plays a position that's dependent on other positions to get him mm-hmm. the football. We mm-hmm. we know that. But if you look at th- this murkiness around Kyler Murray's availability to start 2023, can you afford to have that much money tied up at the wide receiver position? That much of a cap hit. Uh, and absorbing that much of your salary cap at that position, if you well, probably got a backup quarterback playing a substantial amount of your snaps early in the season. Yeah, listen, and, and I said this last week too because when I wrote about this a week and a half ago, people thought I was insane. Oh, the Cardinals can't absorb all that dead money. Look, I don't, I don't look at salary cap hits per se when I come to team building, because if contracts are that bad that the salary cap hit of trading a guy cripples you, then that is one derelict bit of general managing right there. If you've constructed a contract that potent yeah, when and you that keep poisonous. Push, when you keep pushing that number down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Then then that's then that's on you. But but I think that I do think that this is going to be a reality. And I think if you're the Arizona Cardinals, like you said, this is probably an opportunity to go get a number one overall draft pick, if not more. If if you really do have a chance to get Sean Payton, you can use that capital to to get him and not and be no worse for wear. It, and and you're just going to have to absorb the dead hit. Teams do it all the time. Teams absorb dead cap money all the time. It's it's on them. It's the team's fault. You, you don't construct contracts in ways that they become poison pills for your very organization. And if you've done that, you have failed. Yeah, but and there's a lot of people, again, probably listening to this conversation saying, you can't trade DeAndre Hopkins. He's one of the best receivers in football. But we are talking about a team in rebuild mode. And a guy that wants out. As far it certainly seems that way, a guy that possibly wants out. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that theoretically wants out. You know what? You're right. You've got you've got your hands tied here. A the little Cardinals bit. were a team that was greatly affected by injury all season long. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how much that injury list grew in the final weeks of the season. Oh is, my goodness! Is yeah. it not? 
every week a bunch of new people who you didn't see get hurt in the game yeah. all of a sudden would be on the injury report. Yeah, are, no. are guys getting hurt in those walkthroughs? I don't. I mean. Yeah, I know. There, yeah. there were a lot of yeah, business was, decisions oh, being made down yeah. the stretch. Oh, yeah. there were. There, it was a weird mishmash of guys balling out, particularly on defense. Guys, you know, sort of in that under that J.J. Watt tent of let's go out fighting. Let's play for dignity and pride. And then you had about 50% of the guys were like, okay, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I don't know this for a fact, but I've seen people bring it up. As I mentioned this on the Monday show about some of the encouragement I saw from the veterans that you know were were not in uniform in, in that game Sunday against the 49ers. James Conner comes to mind as a guy who was very demonstrative in his support of his teammates that were mm-hmm. on the field. Was DeAndre Hopkins not there? Did you hear that as well? I can't remember if remember I if saw I, him or not. Yeah, but I I did see people on social media say I hey, wasn't even there, and it might have been for the last two weeks. Huh. I don't know. Okay, I I, I don't want to unfairly accuse right. him of that if it's not true. Yeah, I'm just saying it's out there, so okay. maybe some people okay. noticed it. Okay. Innings Festival is coming back. The two day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and many more returns to Tempe Beach Park February 25th and 26th. Tickets are on sale, but you can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Coming up next, the big stories of the day. Rebooted, Rush Hour Reboot with Sarah Cazell next. Typically a Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. A very happy Wednesday morning to you all. I really had to think about that for a second. Here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, I am Sarah Cazell, taking you through the top stories of the day during the Rush Hour Reboot with Dan Bickley. Hey. <laughs> with Fitz Murata. Do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. <laughs> what? Do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. How clear can it be? <laughs> How clear can it be? Is everyone okay right. over there? And Jarrett Carlin. Ample rumpage. <laughs> is that Happy Fun Ball from SNL? It is, yes. Ample rumpage. I knew you'd get that one, Jarrett. That's good. Yeah, I was not familiar with that. All right, we take you through the top stories of the day every single day at this time. It is the Rush Hour reboot. And this morning, the Phoenix Suns are back at 500. I never thought that's something we would be celebrating. Da, 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 da. Did the Suns back get back to 500? <laughs> yes. Yes, they did. They beat the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco last night, 125-113. And that's with four of their five starters out injured. Not able to play uh, kind of a lot lately. Uh, Mikkel Bridges was the one regular still in the lineup who led the way with 26 points and nine boards. Damian Lee put up 22 points and seven rebounds against his former team. And then Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. added 21 points. Here's the head coach, Monty Williams, after the game. I think it just speaks to playing with confidence and just playing with force. You know, that, that sometimes that can overcome some talent deficiencies or 
putting guys out there who've never been in, in these types of situations. I think if you play hard and you play with confidence, you give yourself a shot. You know, hard work doesn't guarantee success, but without it, you got no shot. And then the other thing is I, I really feel like these experiences for guys like Josh and Ish, Dwayne, you never know when you're going to have to call on one of those guys late in the season to play a big role. Hmm, late in the season. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, the Suns led by 27 points at one point in the game, but with about a minute left, they let it get down to a six-point lead. Did last night's performance revive your confidence, guys, in this Suns team as they head into the second half of the season? Uh, revive my confidence, no, but I do think that there's a couple things that might help this team get out of this funk they're in, and number one would be just this, this job by these nine guys to go out there and take apart the defending champions who are celebrating the return of Andre Iguodala. That, that's going to help the esprit de corps. And then also Mikhail Bridges to be the only starter out there and to sort of lead that team to that triumph. That is going to help kind of puff him up a little bit. If, sure. he, if he's been kind of waning in the confidence department, that's going to puff him up. Yeah, and Mikel's been better offensively in the last couple games. He went through a real tough stretch offensively as they were shorthanded too. And I, I agree with Bick. Does it restore your confidence? No, but I think Monty hits on a, on a big point. Like, you don't know what, what's going to happen. The Suns will get healthy at some point to, to, to a degree that they're more than now. Um, that made no sense. But whatever. <laughs> uh, He's got time. They didn't have their top four guards last night. You get a win like that, and and maybe you got some flexibility. If you are pressed to use a guy like Ish Wainwright or a guy like Dwayne Washington Jr. in a key situation in a much more important game down the stretch, so be it. Um, it was just... It was something that this team needed. They needed a win. Yeah. And to get a win against a team that really probably nobody ever gave you a chance against, um, that that might have some some ripple effects, too. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just want to, more than anything, I want to see this team whole and back together yeah. again. Right. Absolutely. Uh, the Suns right now, 21 and 21, as we established, back at 500. They sit seventh in the West this morning. I think we all went into this regular season not only assuming that the playoffs are a given, but that they would be one of the best in the West, if not the best in the West. Right now, are you willing to guarantee that the Suns make the postseason? No, I'm not. Yeah, no, I, I either am I. I listen, th- it, there's just too many good teams, and they've already they've already got 20 losses. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm not. No. <sighs> No, because it, uh, there might not be grand moves from James Jones. There might just be little stuff. So I no, no, they're gonna have to earn this. They're gonna have to, yeah. yeah. Trade deadline, by the way, February 9th, So a little under a month from now. But four uh, days away from January fifteenth. Yeah, that's right. That's yes, the date we've we had circled for quite some time. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 <laughs> all right, let's get to the Arizona Cardinals. This team still a very hot topic of conversation on the national level with the firing of Cliff Kingsbury on Monday and Steve Kimes' departure due to health reasons. NFL analyst and radio host Harry Douglas said yesterday on ESPN Radio that the Cardinals' issues are far beyond just getting rid of Cliff Kingsbury, talking about larger culture issues within the organization. The one constant with winning organizations is everything starts at the top. 
right? And it trickles down towards your general manager, to, to your team president, to your head coach, to your coaching staff, to your players. That That's everything. Now, we can sit up here and ask the question, do we think the Arizona Cardinals are a stable organization? My answer right now will be no. It's not. Because we just recently seen the head coach and the quarterback get into it on the football field. We recently seen ownership decide to hire Cliff Kingsbury when he had no success in college. So, no, it's not stable in my eyes. Okay, Harry Douglas, not very impressed. Mm. And then we have Mike Greenberg in a similar vein. He had some harsh words. Kyler Murray will have input into who their new coach is. What, is Kyler going to play Call of Duty with this guy and decide this is who should be the coach? That organization has absolutely no idea what it's doing. Like, as a Jet fan, I feel better. Like, yeah, we got the quarterback all wrong. Couldn't have gotten him all wrong. Disastrously wrong. But we didn't extend Robert Sala 10 months ago for five years and then fire him on Monday. That's a joke. Everyone take a shot. Someone made a Call of Duty joke. Yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> so old. Okay, we're so, all gonna get drunk. So these these two particular fellows, Mike Greenberg and Harry Douglas, uh, don't seem to think that firing Cliff Kingsbury was the only answer to fix what's going on with the Cardinals organization. Do you think that the right GM hire and the right head coach hire can turn things around? Yeah, or I is do. It beyond that? No, no, no. I do. I listen. I think all the criticism that's coming to the Cardinals, they deserve. They're the ones that authored this dysfunction from. February to the to the middle of January and it was relentless and it was avoidable and it was drama and it was stupid and they finished four and 13 um, and, and yet I think all that matters now is the appropriate reaction from Michael Bidwell now keep in mind here yeah Michael Bidwell has a lot of culpability for what went down here and we've chronicled yes. that and we've talked about that but so does Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell lead, leaned heavily on Steve Kime and, and if I'm going to place the preponderance of blame on somebody, that's where I'm going with my blame. Him. For a lot of different reasons. And so I think now you replace that, you get the right head coach, I think a lot of these problems are going to go away naturally. Yeah. And again, I'm not absolving them. All this criticism, yes, they've been a joke. This season has been a joke. Totally agree, but Harry Douglas's take especially, I mean... Talk about revisionist history. Mm. Talking about the hire. Are they stable now? No, they hired a coach four years ago who didn't win in college. <laughs> Have you been beating that drum for four straight years? Were you beating that drum when they were 10-2 and two last year? Of course not. It just, I mean, it, it, piling on to pile on. Um, now, Mike Greenberg hit on a subject that we've talked about a little bit, but got a lot of reaction from Michael Bidwell's press conference on Monday, and that is, yes, Kyler Murray will have input into the coaching hire. Yeah. And, you know, Call of Duty jokes aside, is that a good strategy? This, There's been a, a strange mix of placating Kyler Murray and scapegoating Kyler Murray yeah. in his four oh, years well with said. the Arizona Cardinals. Totally. And, you know... I think Kyler Murray needs some tough love. I, I don't need, think he needs to be necessarily in his comfort zone with the next hiring of a head coach. And, and for as much as Michael Bidwell is getting dragged for that, listen, I was at that press conference. I firmly believe in my heart Michael Bidwell knows that, that Kyler Murray needs to be held accountable, which I think is part of the reason why Michael Bidwell decided to pull the plug on Cliff, because mm-hmm. he's not holding him accountable. Sure. And and so the whole thing of Kyler Murray having input, listen, I you know me, I'm, I'm the biggest skeptic. 
work, but I think that's overblown. I think I think that was a very nuanced answer from Michael Bidwell that speaks to the fact that he's going to make sure that the next head coach and his quarterback don't get sideways, and he's going to make sure everything is cool to start. Right. That's what I think he was saying. And Nothing more. Because your quarterback has input doesn't mean your quarterback has no, final say. No, he's not. Yeah, no. That's I really don't think that's the case here. Yeah. All right, let's quickly squeeze in some college football. We briefly spoke about the national championship game on yesterday's show after Georgia won its second Georgia straight just scored again. title. <laughs> it's now 84-7. to <laughs> uh, They won 65-7, beating a TCU on Monday night. And Marcus Spears said yesterday on ESPN Radio that Alabama is no longer the cream of the crop in college football. But look, we can determine by history and talk about all of the things that Saban has uh, accomplished at Alabama, or we could live in the now. And when you're the two-time back-to-back national champion, you own college football. That's the reality of this game. They own college football. Is Georgia the new dynasty, definitively? In college football? Yeah, you'd have a hard time arguing against it. Uh, Georgia, for years, as anybody who has covered the football, covered football in the SEC, Georgia has always recruited as well as any team in the SEC. They've never had the right coaching piece to put it all together, and they've got that now. Yeah. But would you bet against Nick Saban? Never. I mean, no. temporarily, yes. The The Bulldogs are in dynasty mode right now. I wouldn't bet against Nick Saban, especially watching him stew yeah. on the set when everybody was anointing. It's 1A, 1B so right now. Yeah. The, the separation is not that great. Georgia's on top, certainly. But yeah. Alabama's not that far behind. And by the way, I did hear a snippet of Kirby Smart's... Uh, Oh, do you heard that? <laughs> Pre-game speech? Filthy. Yeah. If they had a swear jar in the locker room at Georgia, he had to put like $2.4 million in <laughs> Did you ever, as a child, did you ever literally get your mouth cleaned out with soap? Oop. Did that ever happen to you? No, it got threatened a lot. Yeah. It happened to yeah. me. Happened to me, too. I still remember it. What yeah. did you guys say nice to get the soap treatment? The great irony now is that like 25% of my... Uh, I, I can't believe it happened to you. Oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> well, here's the thing. I grew up in a household where we couldn't well, say shut that's, up. That's true. Okay? That is true. So oh my rules God. were a little yeah. bit stricter. Yeah. Yeah. You would have never made it on this show then. Shut up, Jared. Shut up, Jared. Shut up, Jared. And Mom, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> I dare you, Patty Cazell. dare you. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank Rush you. Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. The big stories of the day coming up. A big story for the Phoenix Suns. A huge win last night in San Francisco with their backs against the wall. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rebound leaps, hustling into the forecourt. Suns in transition. Bridges stops, pops, and it drops from the left block. Mikel with 17 points on the night, and the Suns' lead is 27. It's just a big win. I, mean, I can sit up here and wax about all kinds of coachy stuff, but it's, it's just a big win for us. John Bloom with uh, Mikel Bridges' hoop. 27-point lead at one point. Actually, at two points of the third quarter. Uh, they hung on for dear life after a very sloppy fourth quarter uh, by the Suns. 13 turnovers, but uh, they win by a dozen. They go on the road. They beat the defending NBA champions that were fully put together with Steph Curry back, with Andrew Wiggins back, with Andre Iguodala part of the fold. 
And the Suns did it with nine players. Their four top guards out. One of yeah. their projected starters in uniform last night. It's one of those things that you just can't explain. And anytime, no. I, I, anytime I make that point on Twitter about how weird the NBA is. Isn't it weird? I always get hit with the, you mean fixed. It's fixed. It's rigged. <laughs> Uh, it was scripted. Okay. Yeah, listen, we we talked at the end of last yesterday's show about how this we I don't think you could call us necessarily surprised because we were talking openly about how teams generally sometimes rise to these moments, these short-handed uh teams that have no chance. It's just a matter of whether they can hang on through the fourth quarter and and get through 48 complete minutes. Remember the famous playoff game against the Spurs when the Suns were short Boris Diaw and Amari Stoudemire. Mm-hmm. That basketball team rallied around their their shorthandedness and darn near pulled off an epic triumph. They just couldn't get it to the finish line. Yep. Last night kind of felt that way. Uh, I watched the first quarter and and really a minute into the game when Andrew Wiggins went to the rim and Bismarck Biombo rejected that shot, I thought, oh, okay, they're, they're here to play basketball a little bit. And then that first quarter ended and the, and the Suns had put 31 on the Warriors and I thought, oh, the Warriors must be so embarrassed. They're going to hear about it. Second quarter was even worse for yeah, the Warriors. It was. And at halftime, you're like, okay, can they really hold on to this thing? Then the Suns go out and down near score 40 points in the third quarter, and you're thinking, okay, what are we watching here? And then, as you said, they held on for dear life. But look, they scored 125 points with one member of their starting lineup despite committing 22 turnovers against a Warriors team that are the defending champions who are welcoming back their big four for the first time in ages. Go figure. And on a night where the Warriors hit 18 three-pointers, too, which is kind of their calling card. Yeah. I, yeah, you I, just it, sometimes you just can't figure this sport out, and I think a lot of it goes back to the fact of something we talk about a lot, and a lot of people around basketball talk about it: the length of the NBA regular season. I mean, there's been a lot of these types of games this year. You know, the Boston Celtics have the top record in the Eastern Conference. They gave up 150 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder mm-hmm. in a game where they absolutely just got run off the court. Yeah, uh, with, with their best players in the game. Sometimes you just can't explain it, but. Um, whether you can explain it or not, the Suns needed this. They needed this in the worst way. You mentioned they scored 125 points. They had gone four straight games without scoring 100, which is no great shakes in today's NBA, by the way. To reach 100, you should be able to roll out of bed and score 100 against anybody in this league with the way that the league is structured right now. But they couldn't do it as a symptom of, of how shorthanded they've been. And... You mentioned the 31-point first quarter. They were able to get over 30. They got off to a good start, a competent offensive start. And one of the things that we've seen during the stretch of the Suns losing a lot of games is they're out of it early. You know, they're scoring 11 to 15 points in the first quarter of games, and they're digging out of a double-digit hole early. I think getting off to that start and coming out with that intensity, regardless of who was on the floor, Bick, that kind of put them at ease. Hey, you know, it's starting to feel right again. Uh, we can put the ball in the hole, uh, you know, even if, you know, Devin Booker's not out there. We don't have Chris Paul as an option or Cam Johnson or DeAndre Ayton. Um, getting off to a good start was was paramount in that win last night. Yeah, and, and I hope you're right. I, I hope that something about that game last night, whether it was the fu- – because you don't win a game like that if you're not connected. 
and we've talked about the Suns' very, very janky, weird chemistry this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't an issue last night. Last night, I, I can't believe this is actually a stat. We've seen games when the Suns have actually been annihilated on the boards, particularly offensive rebound discrepancies. Suns had 19 offensive rebounds yesterday. Uh-huh. I, I mean, that's just it. We, we, it 57 total rebounds. Yes, and so it, so the, the, the want to, the desire, the connectivity out of these nine guys who took the floor last night, the rest of this team should take a cue from them. I agree. Um, and maybe that's something that and sets in with these right. guys. Yeah. And listen, I think, I personally, I think this can be a big moment for Mikhail Bridges because I think internally that missed game tying shot when Monty Williams called his number out of the inbounds play at the end of a game, I think that was a bigger moment internally than, than we even discussed. And I think you were on vacation at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think for him to be the centerpiece, the one starter involved with that team last night, for him to come out and play with the way he did to post twenty six points, this can be a this can be a turning point for him. Mm-hmm. Or it's just a crazy day in the he NBA. Might, or we, I mean, we, hopefully it's very tonight possible is a, at seven fifty four tomorrow morning. We're talking about you know a, a, a thirty five point loss to the Nuggets because the Nuggets are that good and Jokic is playing that well. But for one day. The Suns did what they needed to do. Now, it does also shine a light on some of the, the roster issues that they have, and it's an extreme mm. example, but the Suns nearly blew a 27-point lead because they didn't have any ball handlers. No, and we talked about true. the lack of a third true point guard on this team when you don't have Chris Paul and you don't have Cameron Payne and you don't have Devin Booker to to, to take up that role or even Landry Shamit to that matter. <laughs> yeah, the blueprint is out there on, on how to put pressure on the Suns defensively. I, I would hope, regardless of what happens between now and the trade deadline, that that is an area that's addressed. Even last year when the Suns had, you know, they they had a number of options as a, as a primary ball handler. Paul, Payne, Aaron Holiday, Alfred Payton at different times. Um, I think that's something that needs to be added to this roster. Yeah, I think you're right. And and so y- you hope that this is, if not a turning point, at least a moment that kind of jars this team to a, uh, to a higher place. And, and at the very least, Monty Williams for the last week and a half has talked about how important this team just needs a victory. And the, and players have talked yeah. about it. it's not something you expected to hear from the Suns this year. No, the need for a regular season victory. This this year was all about diminishing the need for regular season victories. Last night was a great one. It was just, it was just a great moment for those nine guys involved in this. Well, listen, when they, when the game started, I thought to myself, if Golden State drives the basket repeatedly, how are the Suns going to play defense with nine guys mm-hmm. without following fouling out half their team? Credit to them. Thankfully, the Warriors shoot a lot from the cheap seats. And I'll tell you this. Like beating the Lakers, doing that to the Warriors never gets old. Because that left a mark on that basketball team. Oh, I agree. You know, try flexing on anybody, Golden State, after last night. They're a 500 basketball team right now, just like the Suns are. Uh Uh, But it's a back-to-back, and the Nuggets were probably watching that game last night, so they're not going to be shocked by anything they see. 8 o'clock tip in Denver, 7.30 pregame here on uh, Arizona Sports app and 98.7. Coming up next, Bick kicks off the second half of the show with the Bickley Blast. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.